Welcome to Flock Talk, a podcast of GCF North. Flock Talk exists to inform, encourage, and inspire. This is your host, Dave Farley, lead pastor of GCF North. This is season two, episode three, and I'm joined today by two very esteemed guests and colleagues. Although all my guests are yeah, I was going to say, uh, well, they're all they, esteemed. They're all esteemed. <laughs> they're all esteemed. Well, thank you. I'll, I'll take that as yeah. a compliment. I was referring to Brian. He's oh. <laughs> all right. Brian Dixon and Terry Meyer. Um, so we, we have been doing a sermon series called Restoring Sexual Sanity, and we have asked the church to provide us with questions for the sermon series. And I think at this point we have five questions, five or six-ish. I, I have four. Four. Five. Okay, five. five. You're right. Five. five. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got some great questions. Uh, they're all great questions. There are no dumb questions, Terry, just dumb people. Yes. <laughs> but the, I, but as it, my, the but teacher none, in me says that there are no dumb questions. But there are some dumb people. <laughs> there are people who are still in the process of learning. Right, right. It's, but all these questions... Are great. There's no. These dumb, are great questions. There's no dumb questions yeah. or dumb people representing no, these questions. No, absolutely not. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. Okay, so um, so far in the sermon series, we've talked about uh, sermon one was on uh, marriage, mm-hmm. uh, and then I talked about uh, masculinity, mm-hmm. femininity, singleness. Uh, this Sunday is biblical sexuality. Yes, and then transgenderism, homosexuality, and pornography. Um, so we're roughly halfway through the series, and I'm, I'm anticipating we'll get more questions in light of the next couple of weeks. But we do have some great questions um, for this episode. So Terry is going to fire away okay. with the questions. Uh, question number one. A few years ago, I heard a pastor say that Jesus was tempted towards homosexuality. And uh, in referencing Hebrews 4.15 that uh, said that Jesus uh, in every respect was tempted as we are yet without sin. Mm. Uh, Did Jesus struggle with the temptation toward homosexuality or is the homosexual desire itself sinful? And uh, referencing Romans 1 26, it talks about dishonorable passion. Mm -hmm. It's a great question. Yeah, that that is a, it's a great question. And it really gets at, the heart and soul of, of a significant debate and discussion right now um, among some evangelicals. Mm-hmm. Now, with that said, I, I think the answer is pretty clear on this particular question, but uh, it's a good question because um, we, we do, we want to affirm, like the Bible affirms, that Jesus is able to, he- to help all those who are being tempted. Mm-hmm. But I think it's, it's really important to carefully nuance that because for instance uh jesus was not tempted with internet pornography because it wasn't even around back then right right and and he wasn't tempted to drive his his car 65 in a 35 right so we all admit that there are certain experiences situations that jesus did not face at the same time um i think theologians have argued for 2000 years of church history that he he has experienced every type of temptation, mm-hmm. but not every specific temptation. Right. That's the first thing I would say. Second thing I would say, uh, and and the, whoever wrote this great question kind of answered the question at the end. Um, did Jesus struggle with temptation towards homosexuality, or is the homosexual desire itself sinful? And I would say, along with many theologians today, 
that the actual desire itself is sinful. Um, and so I, I don't think that Jesus ever um, experienced same-sex attraction because, mm-hmm. the, because that desire itself is a disordered desire. It's a sinful desire. Mm-hmm. Now, again, um, did Jesus know what it was like to be tempted sexually? Yes, mm-hmm. I think he did. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that pretty girls walked by Jesus. I guarantee you, Satan made sure that happened. And, 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 mm-hmm. he, and he never lusted after them in his heart. By the way, Matthew 5, 27 to 30, um, uh, Jesus says, if, you've committed, if you have lusted, mm-hmm. you've committed adultery in your heart. Right. So, so clearly Jesus never lusted, because that's adultery. Um, but he was, he was put in situations where he was tempted to lust, but he never lusted. And I would say in a similar sense, Jesus never had same-sex attraction um, because that, that in itself, based on Romans one twenty six, is a sinful desire. Now, this is a really, really important discussion because right now there are people that are saying um, that someone can be a celibate gay Christian. I'm sure you've heard that language right. mm-hmm. before. And I just read Rosaria Butterfield's excellent book on this subject. Um, and she argues very, very persuasively that, that it's impossible to be a gay Christian. Now, what, now what, you, have to, you have to explain that very carefully. Uh, it's very possible to be a Christian who, who struggles with same-sex attraction, who's fighting that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you're fighting that. Um, you don't want those desires. You're fighting those. Yeah, we all agree. Yes, that like that's very possible for a Christian. Yeah. Um, but when right now there's there's scholars who are saying you can be a gay Christian, which means that um, saying things like um, God basically made me this way. Mm-hmm. Right. These desires are who I am at the core of my being. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm never ever going to change. Like this is who I am. This is my identity, uh, and I think that's that is flat out unbiblical, unhelpful, mm-hmm. for so many reasons. Uh, Jesus says, or Paul says, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Yeah. Uh, and furthermore, going back to Genesis chapter one and two, it's very very clear that there are two genders, and they're supposed to be they're supposed to be only heterosexual desires. Mm-hmm. So anything outside of that uh, is a sinful desire. Yeah. And as Christians, man, if the power of sin's been broken in us, we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. God's law is written on our hearts. Uh, all of us should have significant hope that we are going to change. Now, does that mean that someone who has same-sex attraction uh, will get married someday? Not necessarily. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily. But... There is a good likelihood that that could happen at some point down the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Rosaria points out in her book that, that the most recent studies have shown that, that, that actually, yeah, it's very possible uh, at some point in the future to, uh, to be in a heterosexual marriage, uh, a happy heterosexual marriage, mm-hmm. and still struggle with same-sex attraction, yeah. more to find it by the power of the Spirit. Yeah. So all that to say... I, I do not think that Jesus was ever tempted uh, with homosexual desire, same-sex attraction, um, and, and I don't think that the term gay Christian is helpful at all 
Yeah. Okay. What else? What did I miss, guys? Well, a couple of thoughts mm-hmm. with that. As a, I think you're right. As a, as a category of sexual sin, um, there was he was tempted with sexual sin, as a as a broad category. Now, what that looks like in our culture is going to be different than it would in in Jerusalem, in Palestine, Judea at that time, where you know our, our culture is saturate, saturated with uh, LGBTQIA plus. Uh, advertisements agenda, and and so that's going to be something that people would be more tempted towards because it's more prevalent in our culture. Um, and what a blessing, though, that that we have access to the to the same power that Christ did. Mm, amen. To uh, to have victory over temptation and over sin. Mm. Um, you know, when he was led into the uh, wilderness to be tempted for 40 days, uh, Luke 4, 1 says that he was filled, full of the Holy Spirit. And then right afterwards, when he comes out uh, of the wilderness, again, it, it reiterates he's full of the Holy Spirit. So all of that time during that temptation, he was, he, he was relying uh, on the Word of God, as we saw in, in that, those temptations, and also the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome that. Mm-hmm. And we have that we have this access to the same power yeah, that he did. Yeah, I'll, I'll say one more thing. Um, in in this whole debate about the gay Christian, what language to use there? Um, Roman Catholics talk about concupiscence, which is this this idea that um, sinful desire, sin, is a thing inside of us. Mm-hmm. And Protestants have always disagreed with that and said, no, it's not, it's not who we are. Like we're not, it's not part of us. It's not a thing that, um, yeah, that's, that's physical. Um, so we, we, we sin because we have disordered desires. Yes. Um, and, and, and as Christians, we, what complicates things is now we have two natures. We, we have the new nature and we have the old nature. Mm. Uh, uh, we, the old self has been crucified with Christ, done away with, gone, buried, killed at the cross. Um, and that's great news, which means the power of sin is broken in us. But, but we, we still have um, the flesh or sin nature that's, that's waging war against yeah. our spirit. Yeah. But by God's grace, by the power of the spirit, we can overcome the flesh. Yeah. And, and, that, and that same hope is available to those who have same-sex attraction, they too, by the power of the Spirit, yeah. can put to death those sinful desires. Yeah. And it, it may be a limp they have their whole life. Just like I struggle with pride, and I probably will my whole life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's hope that will grow and change. Yeah, And, I, and I, one, one last thing, too, is that I think I had heard once that, that the, the temptations that Jesus experienced were completely outside of him. Like there was nothing about them that would about him that would succumb to them, but he he did suffer when he was tempted. So Hebrews two eighteen says, "For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted." So he understands probably in a better sense than we do because we often give into the temptation, but he he carried it all the way through and was obedient all the way through to the end of, of every temptation that he faced. Amen. Amen. I think James, you know, he wrote 
uh, in the first chapter of James, says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. The desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, especially in the idea, well, God made me this way to have these desires and to, and to be tempted in this way. Um, I think it's important to go to Scripture and say, well, Scripture says God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Mm-hmm. Why would he alter that reality, that truth, right. in, for, in your scenario mm-hmm. specifically? And I also think, too, you know, in, um, I think, a good verse to highlight as well. Um, let me pull this up real quick. Sorry, here we go. Uh, this is from First uh, Corinthians mm-hmm. chapter ten. No temptation has been has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, He will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Yeah. And we're talking about sexual sin because that's the category that Paul puts homosexuality in. This mm-hmm. is sexual sin. Um, and that and that struggle and temptation, like the Lord through the Holy Spirit can and will give you an, an ability to overcome it. Yeah. Um, and I think it's hard because there's a, there's there are people behind those mm-hmm. desires. There are people, and so that it's a uh, there are some nuances. There's there's a lot of a lot there because yeah. you know people are people and all, all, all that that c- comes with that. Mm-hmm. But when you look at scripture and the beautiful, oh, I'm going to just say it, the beautiful simplicity and the clarity that the gospel brings to why we act the way we act, why we do the things we do, uh, I think especially right now in our culture, well, no, like it can't be, it can't be that. Clearly can't be that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, 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 more, it's more difficult than that. It's more nuanced than that. It's more this. Okay, maybe, but I don't think so. I think it's yeah. it has come down to just my desire mm-hmm. is this, and the struggle right now is 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 pride in in fighting that to have the humility to say like I, I choose God's way. Amen. And, and and just to address the issue of God made me this way or I was born this way, just really quickly. Number one. That's never been proven scientifically. There was, a, there was a study done, I think, in the 80s by one or two homosexual scientists, geneticists, trying to prove that there's a gay gene. That study has been debunked numerous times. So there, there is no medical proof that anyone is born that way. Now, with that said, I was born pr- proud. Mm-hmm. Um, I, was, I was born a coveter. We all inherit guilt and corruption from Adam. Right. So there's no proof that anyone is born that way. I, um, but even if there was proof that people are born that way, we're all born sinners. Mm-hmm. But, but often what happens is, is um, young children, usually two, three, four, that's when they first begin to develop mm-hmm. homosexual or lesbian desires, um, often based on circumstances around them. And I won't go into that now. I'll go into that more in my sermon. And so in and, and one sense... 
I understand someone saying, I've always had these feelings. I've always felt this way. And it's usually because those feelings, those temptations arose within them when they were awfully young, usually because of things that did or didn't happen to them in that season of life. Mm -hmm. So I'm very sympathetic for someone who says, I've always felt this way. Uh, And I want to say to that particular person, well, it could be because you were sinned against or you were neglected or you Mm -hmm. weren't loved in a certain way. Um, And in one sense, you're a victim in one sense. At the same time, we all make our own choices. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And no one's a victim. Um, Well, there are victims out there for sure, but I think you know what I mean. Like we we, we all make our own choices and uh, and we should have tremendous compassion for those that have same-sex attraction, especially those who don't want it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Our hearts should bleed with compassion and we should do all we can to pray for them, encourage them, counsel them, and get them involved in a robust Christian community. Okay, next question. We'll, we'll do one more, okay. and uh, we'll see how this goes. All right, next question. Uh, why did you use the term sanity in the sermon title? Uh, it can be perceived somewhat offensively uh, as the antonym of, is insanity. Yeah, that's a, yeah. <laughs> that's a great question. <laughs> great question. Uh, I'd be willing to bet that the person who wrote this question is under the age of 30. I'm just guessing. And the reason why is because anyone over the age of 30, 40, or 50 who's been around the culture for a while has seen the incredible shift right. in our culture uh, in the last 40 years. Um, I remember growing up uh, in high school with a bunch of secular friends, and all of them thought homosexuality was perverted and wrong, and none of them were Christians. Right. Um, no one had any concept of, of, uh, transgenderism. Now there was gender dysphoria, which is slightly different. Um, and drag queen story hour, like no one could have imagined Mm -hmm. that there'd be drag queens reading, reading stories to kids in public libraries. So my guess is this person is young. Um, this person is also assuming, I think that being nice or being kind is the chief virtue. Uh, and and I, would, I would push back hard against that and say, no, uh, the chief virtue is love, not niceness or kindness. Uh, actually, uh, w- when, when I got this question, um, I, was, I was reading in my devotions uh, in the book of Acts. And I've, I've got <laughs> to read this from Acts. Uh, this is Acts 10. And I think uh, the Apostle Paul, I got to find this real quick. It's Acts 10. Uh, Maybe it's Acts 11. Maybe it's Acts 9. I'm going to find this. (laughs) It's worth the wait. (laughs) I really hope it's Acts 9. And I want to read this verbatim because it's pretty intense. Uh, I can't find it. it. It's not syncing with Mether. Shoot. Anyways, the, <laughs> the Apostle Paul says some really, really um, harsh. Uh, Acts 13.10. Okay. Got to read this. Found it. Okay. So <laughs> the Apostle Paul, uh, he, he is talking to... Um, <laughs> 
this guy named uh, Bar-Jesus. And the Apostle Paul looks at him and he says, You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop uh, making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you and you'll be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Okay, was the Apostle Paul being nice? (laughs) <laughs> or kind when he said you son of the devil you enemy of all righteousness full of deceit and villainy now obviously uh it's important for us most of the time to be very winsome and kind and gracious mm-hmm. and loving but there are times when jesus said very not nice things and the apostle paul clearly here in acts thirteen ten, is not being nice but he's being loving because he's calling this particular person to repentance mm-hmm which is far more important than being nice. So there, there, there are times for us to lead with truth and to say hard things to people. Um, and again, in our culture right now, the chief virtue seems to be niceness or kindness. But in the Bible, that's not the chief virtue. The chief virtue is humility that leads to love. Well, but, with that too, like you have the chief virtue is, is niceness, kindness, based on what my perception and my definition of that is. So niceness means you use nice words right. or you say nice things right. or you, whatever, fill in the blank. Yeah. You know, and that's where it's like, okay, well, we can run the gamut on that. Um, I think, you know, Paul speaking in Ephesians to the church, c- calling them to grow up and grow in maturity, to not be tossed to and fro from every wave of doctrine carried by every wind uh, by by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, Christ. And I think it's like, yeah, like truth in love. Like it is the most loving thing to speak the truth and to be honest about who you know what the Bible says, you know what what the actual truth is, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to. I'm going to please you by saying what I think you want to hear. Yeah. Well, and, and if, you, if you read the Old Testament prophets, wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were times when they were not nice at all. Like Jesus himself, our Savior, who was fully God and fully man, said to the Pharisees, you brood of vipers, yeah. you, you are whitewashed tombs. Yeah. You, are, you are basically like little bottles full of dead bones. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. that was not very nice. Yeah. Now, now with, with all that said, though, back to the question. Yeah. Um, I would argue that our culture is insane right now. I, I already mentioned this, but drag queen story hour at public libraries, yeah. teenagers cutting off body parts with taxpayer dollars, prisoners getting sex change operations with tax dollars, uh, people pushing to legalize pedophilia, mm. um, people pushing to legalize polygamy, 78, now 82 genders, I 80, think is, yeah. 82 is, is the most recent count. Um, the, the state, and at least in Washington, really pushing to hide stuff from parents. Um, America spends $90 billion a year on pornography. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we're, we've gone insane. Yeah. Like, our, our culture is crazy. Yeah. And Terry, I think you're, you're going to define insanity for us. Well, I, I did. I looked at what is the definition of insanity and a couple of definitions. Ex- extreme folly or unreasonableness something utterly foolish or unreasonable. So we're not 
we're not talking about uh, when we say our culture is insane. We're not talking necessarily about mental illness, although that may play a part. Um, but we're really talking about uh, an ideology that is that is that does qualify to be unreasonable, foolish. Um, I'm just thinking of, you know, in athletics, you've got male athletes who are bigger and stronger. Um, really, in, in, in one sense, taking advantage of that to hurt women. And that is all part of the, uh, that ideology um, that, that ends up hurting people. And it is unreasonable. And, and even as I, I went through the 81, I, there was 37 at one time, now there's 81, uh, androgynous, agender, allegender, bigender, cisgender, male, female. Those are the ones I, I know. Uh, gender neutral, intergender, demi-boy, and there's, they just go on and on. And then there's an other as well. So if you don't fit into any one of those categories, there's, there's an other. And, and it, it makes it, you know, how do you interact with people? Uh, because gender is so core to who we are. It is uh, when you interact with someone that has, a, a, that has essentially made up their own gender, um, that does impede relationships. How do I relate with you? And we see that all over culture mm-hmm. with this idea of misgendering people. Um, and, and essentially what we've done is we, we've, taking, we've taken out of God's hands the good creation he's made, male and female, complementing one another. And we said, no, Lord, I'm going to take that out of your hands and I'm going to define who I am for myself. And, and whenever we do that, it, it just leads to chaos in uh, culturally chaos, um, you know, chaos in families where children are more and more are questioning their gender all the way from the beginning, even to the point of not assigning them a gender at birth. And how do you recover from that. Mm. Well, and, and it's also important to recognize that we are the first culture in the history of the world. Of all the cultures in the history of the world, we are the first culture uh, to have 83 genders. Mm-hmm. So we, we've lost our minds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the question is, how do we get here? We can't, we can't discuss that now. It would take too long. But I would highly recommend Carl Truman's book, uh, the rise and triumph of the modern self. He, mm-hmm. It's it's actually it's pretty academic. He has an abridged version called um, "A Strange New World" that's a lot shorter and a lot easier to read. But if you're wondering how do we get here intellectually, philosophically, historically, uh, that book is a really really mm-hmm. good description. And he talks about going back to the Enlightenment and then postmodernism and and right now in our culture, self is the king of everything. Right. Mm-hmm. And again, that idea is brand new in world history. So uh, if you want some, some reading, uh, read, read his little book, uh, A Strange New World. Carl Truman's the author. All right. We didn't get very far, Terry, did we? We got a, we got a couple. Well, that, that couple. means we, we have plenty for the next episode. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Flock Talk, a ministry of GCF North. GCF North exists to glorify God through gospel-centered worship, discipleship, and evangelism. To learn more, go to our website, gcfnorthspokane.org.